Girlfriends, episode number 64, The Truth About Teens. Hello, and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we're talking about your worth at retreats in Illinois and Kansas, the beginning of baseball, and I'm sharing some truth about teens from the terrible to the terrific. It's time to get started. Here we go. Hey, girlfriends. How are you? Glad you're here. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I'm happy that you're here. I hope you've had a good week. I hope it is springtime wherever you are because it is not here. We've gotten more snow. It's still pretty cold, but this is actually feeling warmer, like in the 40s for today. This is Sunday that I'm recording this. Um, And through the coming week, it looks like it's going to be the 40s. And it's pathetic, pathetic that I find that encouraging. (laughs) But I'm going with it. I'm taking what I can get. And I actually love the sun, the fact that we have so much more daylight in the day and that the sun is stronger. I am just taking what I can get and we're getting there. We are getting there. I see hope on the horizon. I actually enjoyed some warm weather when I went out this weekend. I was in Illinois, in Geneseo, Illinois, for the You're Worth It retreat that I was giving out there at St. Malachy's. And it was a wonderful weekend. I was there on Saturday. That was yesterday. And it was, you know, a whirlwind trip. But I went there um, and the day I arrived, it was beautiful weather. They were having like... 75 degrees sunny weather, which I guess was unusual for them. So they were all enjoying it too. And I got to soak up a little bit of sun while we were getting that four or five inches of snow and slush back home and school was getting, (laughs) all the school activities were getting canceled for the afternoon. And oh my gosh, it's just never ending here. And I'm afraid my kids who go to school are going to be going all the way through the end of June at this point, because they've just had to cancel classes so many times and it's unavoidable. And when we all had the power outages for so long, I mean, there was no way that they could have school on those days. So anyway, (laughs) I hope it's warmer where you are. I love hearing from you, even though I get a little bit jealous. And I love hearing from my son who's down in Florida, although I get a little bit jealous. But um, it gives me hope and it helps me to remember that the season isn't forever. And we sure earn our springtimes and our summers living where we do up here in the Northeast. So I know, you know, I had a conversation recently with somebody about that, that, and my husband hates it when I say this, but I, I don't know. I I love the fact that we have four seasons and although I reserve the right to gripe about winter being too long and I wouldn't want to live in a place where it's beautiful all the time. That's, I mean, maybe I would, maybe I'm being stupid, but to me, that contrast between the seasons and sort of like the liturgical year where we have feasting and we have fasting Uh, we kind of need it. I kind of feel like I need it as a human being. I'm not saying everybody does, but I need those kinds of fluctuations, those seasons so that I'll appreciate what I have when I have it. And I'll appreciate the the good things about winter when it arrives. And then the, you know, when we're, we grow tired of that, I appreciate the good things about the, the season that comes. I'm always looking forward to the next season. So 
anyway, I don't know if you have thoughts on the season. If you are dying, maybe you live in even further north than I do and you're absolutely dying this winter, um, starving for sunlight. You know, let me know how you're doing. I'd love to hear from you about what's going on in your corner of the world and how you're surviving this winter. Anyway, as I mentioned, I was um, doing the You're Worth It retreat in Geneseo, Illinois. Um, So shout out to the wonderful ladies at St. Malachy's there who hosted this event, who brought me in. Wonderful day wonderful women. You know what I really love doing about this particular retreat is that the the content that I share in this day retreat that's particularly for women is applicable to women in all stages of life. And I just love looking out at the groups of women that as I'm speaking to them and they're young and they're older and they're all stages in between and they're moms and they're not moms and they're they're aunts and they're people in the workforce and they're stay-at-home moms and moms with babies and I absolutely love the diversity of womanhood that I see in our church when I get to go to these events. It's a real privilege for me to be invited to speak to them and to be invited to give them a day retreat, which I think is so needed, so needed by women in our culture. And the response to this retreat that I've put together is really just confirming that for me, that women really need that option of a day away. And this isn't even, you know, the way I set up this retreat um, and some places where I've gone to do it, they really do make it a sort of a half day starting early in the morning and we can be done by the early afternoon. Women really will make time for that. They won't necessarily make time for a full day being gone out of the house. For sure, a weekend is really hard or overnight is really difficult for many women to do. But if you let them know, you know what, this is Saturday and you'll be home by the early afternoon they might just make the time for it. And I found the response has been really good. And I'm really encouraged by the response that I've been getting from women. They've been so gracious. And it's just wonderful to be able to go and give them that message that we all need. I don't care where you are in your faith life, if you are super advanced, almost saint, whatever, we all need to be reminded of Jesus's love and his unique love that he has for women. I really, I'm just such a firm believer in the idea that women coming together to remind one another of our worth is so important. We need to make more time for that, whether it's through retreats like um, the You're Worth It retreat that I do or other kinds of events inside of your parish community, in inside of your diocese. Look for opportunities to do that or look for opportunities to facilitate that happening because I really think it's so valuable. I just keep seeing the fruits of it in these opportunities that I have to give these retreats. So I loved meeting the women in Illinois. It was a privilege. Shout out to Devin, awesome lady who sort of put the whole thing together and was kind of the brains behind the operation and um, what really got things moving to be able to make it happen. So a real privilege and an honor for me to go and speak to the women there in Geneseo, Illinois. And this coming weekend, I'm going to be in Kansas doing the same retreat for Women in Concordia at Our Lady of Perpetual Help. So I'll put some links in the show notes. If you're anywhere near that area, I would love to meet you. I'd love to see you. I'd love the opportunity to connect in person. And uh, these retreats are wonderful way to do that. So I'm really looking forward to the opportunity again to share the message of Jesus's unique love for women and explore some of the themes that we see in the Bible with women in the gospel stories and the ways in which Jesus interacts with them. I just think it's so rich and we all need to be reminded of those things. Even if we think we know it, 
I need the reminder and I, you know, this is my book and this is my content and I need the reminder and I find myself so encouraged and refreshed by getting that reminder on a regular basis. So anyway, if you want more information about how to bring the You're Worth It retreat to your area, your community, your parish, your diocese, um, you can go to daniellebean.com forward slash retreat. There's a form you can fill out there. If you're not familiar with my book, You're Worth It and the themes that are inside of that, I'm offering a free copy. I'll be glad to ship you a copy completely free of charge, no obligation, uh, just to check it out and see if it's a good fit for you and for your community. Uh, so again, the, the link that you go to is daniellebean.com forward slash retreat to find out more about bringing the You're Worth It Day Retreat for Women to your community. Okay, so also I mentioned we're going to talk about baseball just briefly. <laughs> baseball season is starting. Do you have baseball players in your house? I've shared before, especially in the are you too busy kinds of podcasts or, um, you know, keeping your sanity during busy days kinds of podcasts that I've done in the past, those shows, I shared about baseball season in this house, that it really is a season that's extra busy for us as a family. Um, I find that it's it's less so now because I've got just two young boys who are playing baseball this year. My two oldest, of course, are away at school. Um, then my my middle son is actually going to be playing on the tennis team this year at, at the high school level. So he won't be on a baseball team, but, you know, that does involve commitment on our part. Um, but then uh, Daniel and Rafi, our two youngest boys, are going to be playing baseball this year. And they're on the same team. So that eliminates some of the driving. And I think back to when we had four young kids involved in youth baseball. And those really were seasons where I needed to mentally prepare myself and buckle down. And this is going to be a busy time for our family. Um, Now I've got more drivers. Uh, My daughter, Juliette, who's 17, just purchased a car. So she's got a new level of freedom and I have a new level of support and freedom on my own where she doesn't need to be driven places or take my car when she's going to work and school and that kind of thing. So that's a new level of support that I have this season. So I'm thinking it's going to be a baseball season that's busy, but um, not as busy or as crazy as it has been in seasons past. For sure, our family's going to be in multiple places, probably through that dinner hour, um, because, you know, my daughter Juliet's running on the track team. Steven, as I mentioned, is playing tennis. And then the little guys are going to be playing baseball, which is several nights a week, plus at least one of the days on the weekend, generally speaking. But I always find that going into a busy season where we've consciously made the commitment, decided this is important to our family, we're going to do this, um, that it it's actually doable. It's actually okay. And it, it can be a nice, refreshing change of routine where, um, you know, we're, we're coming off of a, a season right now. We, you know, basketball season ended uh, probably three weeks ago now. So we've had a little bit of quiet time to kind of, you know, regroup. And we've spent a lot of time indoors for sure. As I mentioned, we've had the terrible weather. Um, so it's kind of a nice opportunity for us to get outdoors a little bit and change up our family routine a little bit. Yeah, it messes up our dinner time hour, but I'm going in the full knowledge of that and kind of mentally prepared and, um, you know, physically prepared with regard to my meal planning for the coming weeks that, you know, baseball is worth it to us, that we really enjoy it a lot. So um, for sure, it's something that we're consciously committing to. But if your family does baseball or whatever it is, lacrosse or spring soccer or whatever you're taking on this season, if it's a busy season for you, I'd love to hear from you about how you're managing that. 
not just um, with how you're handling your schedule and the rides and all of that sort of thing, but how you're kind of mentally mentally preparing yourself for that and how what kinds of things that you do to make it work for your family. Or if this is a season where you kind of have a quieter time as a family, I'd love to hear about your family routines for this upcoming season of spring sports and other activities going on um, as we head toward the end of the school year. It gets real busy for some, um, but I'd love to hear your tips for how you handle that and um, your ways of approaching an especially busy time in your family life. So you can email me at danielle at daniellebean.com or leave me that voice feedback at daniellebean.com. Just click that tab to leave me some voicemail. Okay, moving on to this week's topic. I'm talking about the truth about teens. Now, we mentioned this um, a few episodes ago, and I can't remember the context in which we talked about it, but I did get a little bit of feedback from it from various people when I talked about the fact that, you know, in blogging way back when, in the dinosaur years of blogging, when I was blogging regularly, it was, you know, I had a bunch of little kids. So it was, you know, very much the throes of family life with small children of various ages and no real teenagers. Um and we readily among, you know, different Catholic blogs shared about those trials of toddlers, of preschoolers, even grade school, uh, managing multiple kids, especially large family management and that sort of thing. And we really built a community of people that supported and encouraged one another, that shared openly about the challenges, about the struggles, about the things that we messed up and how to improve and the things that worked for us. And it really was a, a great thing and really a great means of support. And I think a lot of a lot of women still share that way online. You can find ample support and encouragement for moms of young children, women who are readily sharing about the trials of raising a young family. But when it comes to the teen years, everybody gets real quiet. <laughs> There's not a lot out there. And I've heard from some of you since I mentioned this on a previous podcast that um, you miss that. And it can be isolating and you can feel like you're alone because it is a uniquely challenging part of our parenting story, This these years of teenagers. And there are different challenges. And sometimes you can be left feeling like you're alone or that you're the only one who finds it difficult, which is a tragedy because of course you're not. And yet I understand because I'm not going to be sharing my teens' particularities, their stories, their challenges, wouldn't be fair to them. And so that's why a lot of people are quiet about that. And it's understandable, but I think there's opportunity inside of our communities, one-on-one, even among maybe a women's group at your parish or among a close group of friends, maybe with a sister or um, someone that you trust, have a a safe, you know, relationship in which you can really open up and be, be vulnerable. There's an opportunity for honesty there about the teen years and about the particular challenges. If you're a mom of teens and you're struggling or if you're on the brink of it, I met a mom this past weekend. Uh, Shout out to Katie, who I met in uh, Geneseo, who has you know, been a follower of mine since way back when I was blogging and she's got a beautiful family. She was showing me her ninth baby and her oldest, I think she said was 15. So she's really on the brink, you know, fully in the teen years by the time you're 15, but she's about to have all of her kids turning into teens before her eyes, as I have experienced. Um, So if you're at that stage, I know there's a lot of trepidation. I know I was just didn't know what to expect. And I had a little bit of support in that I have an older sister who could share, you know, one-on-one in ways that were appropriate about some of the challenges going on in her family. But even among sisters, there's sometimes a reservation just out of respect 
for your child, out of respect for the privacy of your child and what they're going through, you're not going to lay out all their dirty laundry for everybody. So it's a challenge to find support, to find real honest talk about the challenges of the teen years. Um, but so I'm not going to attempt in this podcast to lay out a bunch of garbage for you or the particularities, the particular challenges of my own kids. But I will tell you in my own experience, in my my friend's experience, in, you know, my family's experience, we've seen it all. You know, I, I think that one of the important points to make, and I have, let me see, I have five points I want to make, and this isn't one of them. I just, <laughs> I just thought of this now, is the idea, like, don't ever say my kid would never, or not my kid. Um, you know, we, you know, that you checked off all the boxes and you raised all your kids exactly right inside of this perfect family life, um, with the perfect faith and the, you know, all the, all the support that they need. Too bad. God gave your kid free will, no guarantees for you. And, um, that's been one of the most painful things I think to come to terms with, uh, both for me personally, but also seeing among my friends and family, the kinds of things that, when you're younger and you're kind of naive and idealistic, you might think, I'm doing all the right things, so those things will never happen to me. Those things will never happen inside of my family. Well, that's not true. And um, I hate to see people set themselves up like that because you can really feel disillusioned. Like, why did I bother doing all of that stuff? Whatever the thing is, you know, sending them to Catholic school or um, homeschooling or wearing your baby or, you know, or living the liturgical year, all those things that you you put your faith in and and I know there's the temptation to put your faith in those things because I've done it myself that um that if I if I do these things if I check off these boxes then we will never face these problems um in the teen years or or young adulthood but there are no guarantees there aren't and there's no magic formula and that's sometimes the most painful thing to come to terms with as a parent and nothing hits you in the face with that reality more so than the teen years that god gave your kids free will and they're not always going to choose the best thing in the same way that not all of us did especially in our younger years and even on a day-to-day basis going on now not all of us are always choosing the best thing sometimes we're choosing wrongly sometimes we're um really just blatantly sinning and our our kids are capable of the same thing so just that caveat if if you're tempted in that way to think not my kid never my kid judge when you see other people's stories or trials or struggles you know we're all doing our best here um and i i think going into the teen years with the idea um that you can't control it all and putting our trust in god really really is an important step to take early on in that process because um, you're going to end up in that place anyway. You're going to have to let go of control at some point. Um, Well, I can't say exactly how your family life is going to turn out. And there's, I mean, like I say, there's no guarantees, but there's no guarantee it's going to be a travesty either. You know, I also don't like the other side of things where these, you know, I remember once my sister telling me about this woman in, in the parking lot when she was pregnant with her first, this, this older mom came to her and just like, in an evil way, like wagged her finger over my sister's pregnant belly and was like, just wait till he's a teenager. You know, I don't like those doomsayers. And um, I'm here to negate that too, because there are wonderful things about the teen years as well. Okay, so getting to my points, the, I don't know what I would call this, um, just perspectives to keep in mind, points to keep in mind through the challenges of the teen years. So the first one that I want to say is see the big picture. If you're being challenged in in raising a teenager, I think it's really important to remember that this is not forever. 
Now, way back when I was raising babies and toddlers and and having my own struggles there, I wrote this column called Today is Not Forever. And it was really more a pep talk to myself than anybody else that I needed that reminder. Because sometimes when you're in the throes of things, you know, that saying, um, the days are long, but the years are short. Like those days were really long sometimes. It was hard. It was truly hard. It was truly challenging. And I needed that reminder myself back when I wrote that. Today is not forever. You know, this, this is... This is a moment in time. This is a stage. This is a phase. This is a challenging time, but it's not forever. It's not going to be forever. And then I find that I need that same reminder in the teen years when we're, we're particularly challenged. Like, see the bigger picture. This is not the whole picture. This thing that your teen is challenging with you with right now, this stage that you're going through, this trial, um, you know, do your best through it, but remember and, you know, remind yourself and remind your spouse, I find that I need to do this on a regular basis, that remind yourself that this is the same kid. This is the same kid you were raising and um, today's not forever. This is not this child's whole story, this particular phase, even if it's a year, even if it's two years that you're struggling with some issue with your child in, in their older years, know that the today is not forever. This isn't going to last forever. Kind of keep that big picture in mind. And I find that's really helpful. Kind of take that step back, especially with teenagers, because I was never more astonished than when my oldest became a teenager. I was suddenly aware that she was only conscious and thinking about and making decisions based on these five minutes we're living in right now, like right now in the next five minutes, like that was her whole life, you know, like, and if she wanted something and I said no, and she was devastated, it was the end of her entire life and the end of the whole world. I remember kind of being astonished by that and kind of taking a step back like gosh doesn't she have any greater perspective than that um no they don't no they don't and you'll find that um you know of course i'm speaking in generalities here every every child is unique and you you know your own child better than anybody but in in general teenagers really do have that right now kind of this instant only exists immediate gratification kind of attitude and i think it can be helpful to us especially in dealing with that to remind ourselves too um that to not be short-sighted to see the bigger picture take that step back have a greater perspective on this particular challenge that you're going through right now and you know sometimes that helps me to see that when I, when I take that step back and try to have the bigger perspective and not just be frustrated in this moment or in this week or in this month right now, what our, what our kid is going through or what we're going through with them, that sometimes they're really, they're hurting in ways that you can't readily see. Um, they're hurting in ways that they won't admit to you readily. And it's really in taking that step back and trying to see the bigger perspective that you can begin to be compassionate about that, that you can begin to give them space to work things out, kind of get a feel for when they need that, um, for for when you can um, be that kind of steady presence for them in, in their life. You know, it, it's it's a tumultuous time, and you know, and I think it's difficult for them. You know, imagine how that must feel to only be living five minutes at a time. Very stressful, and you know the ups and the downs, and um, so keeping that in mind, I think it can really help you to take that step back, have that broader perspective, and be the gift of that broader perspective for for your child, even if they're not quite ready to see it yet. You know, offer it to them, offer them that perspective. So the second point um, for handling the challenges of the teen years is to remember your own teen years. Now. 
<laughs> this is difficult because sometimes it's the problem, the fact that we do remember our own teen years so vividly. <laughs> you know, uh, I know my husband is always uh, especially uh conservative in the privileges he'll allow our our teenage daughters be with um young men in their lives or the male friends that they have and he's especially suspicious of their male friends and he's like because i know what it's like to be a male that age and um so that's a challenge or remembering some of the trouble that you got into or remembering the ways in which you sometimes manipulated your parents or lied to your parents or got into trouble or some of the situations you got into that your parents had no idea about. Like thinking of all those things, your your imagination can run wild with your own teenagers. But what I mean by remembering your own teen years, I think it's helpful to um, to help you understand a little bit. Remember when, you know, when that, that boy you liked didn't like you back or um, when your best friend betrayed you in some now seemingly insignificant way and it was the end of the world. Do you remember that? I mean, it's it's helpful even though it can make you laugh or it can make you cringe with embarrassment or remember when you couldn't, you know, buy that article of clothing that was so important to be one of the cool kids or whatever it was that was the the sorts of drama in your own teen years, try to remember that. Try to remember what that felt like and how much it truly did feel like your entire world. You know, I remember one of my teens being frustrated with me about a privilege we weren't allowing him in high school. And he said to me in his moment of frustration, like, these are supposed to be the best years of my life in high school. I mean, what a joke. And I had to, you know, hold myself back from laughing in his face because no way are those the best years I think of anybody's life. I mean, great for you if you had an awesome high school experience, but most of us really just struggled through those years. And though there can be a lot of good that comes out of those years and um, a, a lot of growth and progress and things that you're proud of and hard work that can come out of those years, I think very few of us look back and think, that's the best thing I ever did, you know, graduating high school and being a member of the band or whatever you were like those are not the best things you're ever going to do in your life and yet I I did see in that moment in that conversation with him how much he felt that way and how frustrated he felt by that and that this was it this was like the most important thing in the world to him and I wasn't taking it seriously um and and then I knew fully in that moment too that I couldn't make him see my perspective that it would be really hard for me to say you know help him to see open his eyes to the fact that there's so much more to the world. There's going to be so much more in your life than these four years that you're spending here. And you're going to meet so many other people than the people you're meeting these four years. And yeah, they might be, some of them might be great friends. They might be lifelong friends that you meet in high school, but you're going to, the world is so much bigger, so much bigger than that. There's so much more to the world and there's so much more that's going to happen in your life that's bigger and deeper and more meaningful and rich. And um, it's just hard to really get them to understand that. So try to, you know, put yourself in their shoes a little bit by remembering what it was like when you were in their shoes. When Think of the struggles of your teen years. Um, and that can also, I mean, it can help you on the flip side to be a little savvy about the kinds of things that might be going on, the kinds of questions that you need to ask. Um, you know, that, so that would be the other part of this in remembering your own teen years, like being honest with yourself about what some of the threats are, because I think sometimes the temptation is, and I've felt this in my own parenting, to kind of put your head in the sand and approve things that maybe you've got an inkling like, oh, that might not be the best situation or, um, or not to, you know, to hold yourself back from asking a, 
a question because you know it will upset your teenager or maybe because you don't want to know the answer. Ask those hard questions. You know, push yourself because remember your own teen years and the fact that someone butting into your business as a teenager, yeah, it might be unwelcome. It might be unpleasant. You might rebel against it, but at the same time, you know it's coming from a place of them caring about you in the long run. So remember your own teen years. Third, and this is probably the most important point I'm going to make about facing the challenges of the teen years, don't take it personally. Do not take it personally. And I'm saying this as much to myself as anybody else because I take it personally sometimes. It's really hard not to. You know, I remember one time um, when my oldest were first teenagers that the two, my two oldest together challenged me um, about something really integral, which something I'm not going to share the details because, oh gosh, I'll probably cry if I do. Anyway, they challenged me about a, a really integral part of our parenting and, um, and we're completely rejecting what was, you know, something that I was a heartfelt belief, a heartfelt value and a principle in my own heart and mind and a guiding principle for me in parenting them. And they both together in in one moment of frustration and, you know, kind of anger or whatever it was that they were particularly experiencing then were rejecting that, rejecting that principle, that thing that I held dear. And I was completely devastated. I felt like they were telling me that I was worthless and stupid and everything I'd ever done had come to nothing. And I just like locked myself in the bathroom and cried and called my husband at work. And he's like, what? You know, I'm like sobbing on the phone. And then they said, you know, um, so I look back on that. And that was one of my early experiences as a parent of teens. And I don't think I would make the same mistake now. I have enough experience now to know not to take those kinds of moments personally. They never feel good. They're never in that moment. Is it going to feel great? But at least you can have the perspective of this isn't them rejecting me. This isn't them passing judgment on me of everything I've ever done for them is worthless. You know, I, I think having those dramatic kinds of reactions and um, sweeping generalizations about what they're doing and saying is not helpful to anybody in that situation because that's not what's going on. And, and and also, you know, this ties in with remembering your own teen years. I think about things that I did and said to my parents. Like, I think about it now and I just want to die. You know, I was terrible at sometimes. Um but then I think about what my motivations were in that moment. They had nothing to do with rejecting my parents. They had nothing to do with not loving and respecting my parents. It was just about me being selfish and stupid and short-sighted. And so recognizing that, and you know, I think maybe this is something that can only come with experience, but I'm telling you anyway, in case it's helpful to hear from somebody else who's been there and is still there. I mean, gosh, I am speaking from some experience, um, but it's ongoing experience. We have, we're on our sixth teenager now. Um, and we've seen two through the teen years, but let me tell you, this, this all applies to teen and young adult years. There's nothing that magically happens when your child turns 20 that all of a sudden all is well and they're off on their own and everything is great. Um, you know, it's still some of these same trials go all the way through young adulthood. Um, so, you know, don't take it personally when it feels like they're rejecting you or if they lie to you or they manipulate you or you you find out, you know, whatever it is that feels out of character, don't take it personally. I mean, and yes, for sure, address it and correct it and, you know, don't 
don't allow it, you know, don't make accommodations for it. Um, and certainly set a standard where, the, you know, certain kinds of behavior and, and certain levels of respect are demanded of them. Um, but when the inevitable happens and they're breaking your rules or they're disrespecting you or they're rejecting things that you're telling them or they're rejecting your values, do not take it personally. So hard to remember, but so important because our reactions in those moments, it, we have to be the bigger person. We have to be the bigger person. Sometimes they're not really trying to reject us, but they're testing us in a way. They're testing themselves without even fully thinking about it. Like, what if I were this kind of person? What if, uh, what if I say this? Like, what will happen? You know, they're kind of just testing those boundaries. What would it feel like if I became this kind of person who says this sort of thing? And they're really, I mean, I honestly have seen this in my own kids, but I've also experienced it. I remember it as a teenager myself, kind of trying on different personalities. And you will sometimes see that um, depending on who they're hanging out with. Sometimes they get bad, bad personalities to try on and you need to deal with that. Um, and so just remember that we're called, we're the grownups we're supposed to be anyway, in this situation, we're called to be the bigger person. We're called to be that person that they can, they can count on to be that steadfast, secure relationship. You're the bigger person. You're called to be the bigger person over and over and over again, as frustrating as that is, but it's a privilege to be that person in their lives. Remember, it's a privilege to be somebody that they trust in for that steadfastness, that they feel safe, that they can try these things on you. Doesn't mean they get away with it. Doesn't mean there are consequences. But I try to remember that, that it's really, it's a privilege to be that person in their life, to be that steadfast person. So I don't want to abuse that privilege by not being steadfast, by not being a safe, secure, you know, larger presence, bigger person in their life where they can, you know, freely express themselves um, and where they can feel safe to maybe try some, you know, push some of their boundaries, test you in various ways. Like I said, not not saying that you don't discipline and you don't have consequences for breaking rules or bad behavior of any kind. Um, but remember that, that it's not rejection of you personally and that it's actually a privilege, the fact that they feel safe to be that way with you. Okay, the fourth point I want to make for um, handling the challenges of the teen years is remember who they are. They are the same kid. I promise you they are. <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it. And sometimes it, the temptation in those trying moments is to be like, what happened? You know, he was a sweet seven-year-old. She was an adorable 10-year-old. She was so helpful and so cheerful. And what is this person now? Like to think they're a different person. Um, but remember the core of your child, you know your child, you know your child better than anybody. You know your child probably better than they know themselves. And seeing them through that hard time, and honestly, I honestly look at the teenage years and young adult years as a hard time for that person, probably more than anybody else, even though it sometimes is very challenging for us as parents and, and um, sometimes very hurtful for us as parents, difficult for us to go through, draining and depleting for us to go through. Um, but Remember who they are. Remember the kid that they were and the core of who they are, what their personality is, what their talents are, what their strengths are, the goodness inside of them that you've known since they were little, that's still in there. That is there. So remind yourself of who they are and equally important, remind them of who they are. Tell them who they are. Remind them you know, not in a way that's being kind of angry and lording it over them like you used to be, you know, the a nice big brother or whatever it is, but reminding them like 
you're a good person. You're, you're a generous person. Remember how you did X, Y, or Z once? Like, I really loved and admired that about you. And that was a beautiful thing that you did. And, um, or, or remember what, what kind of a, a friend you used to be? Or remember this challenging moment and how you responded to it and what a strong, strong person you were. And, you know, whatever it is that you respect and admire about your kid that you are tempted right now to think is gone forever, remind yourself that it's still there. And, to ensure the fact that they're going to get through this with that intact and be that person on the other side, remind them who they are. Call them to their higher self. Remind them of the higher things that they're called to. Call them to those greater things. Because you know what? It's such a tumultuous time going through those teen years that they need that. They need someone reminding them that they're called to greatness and not to just kind of you know, flounder in in that moment or flounder in their emotionalism or hormones or whatever is their particular challenge in that moment, to call them to the be their higher selves and remind them of their particular unique gifts and strengths and the ways in which they're called to use them. You know, just speak those words of encouragement to them and speak those words of seeing them for who they are. They need that, especially when they're struggling with probably their identity or their personalities or what role they're going to play and all those different kinds of confusing things that they go through in the teenage years, remind them who they are at their core and remind them of their goodness. So important. And remind yourself in the process because it really does change your attitude. Which brings me to my last point um, that I want to make for a general guiding principle for getting through the challenges of the teen years with your psyche intact. And so this final point is change your attitude Honestly, change your attitude. I mean, it's fine to laugh and joke and roll your eyes about the teen years. We all do it. And there's a reason we all do it because it's a universal experience that it, it's a challenging time and um, a uniquely challenging time to us as parents. Um, but there's so much good about it. And I think we don't talk about that enough. We don't focus on that enough as a culture, you know, like that woman in the parking lot wagging her finger over my sister's pregnant belly. What? Like, come on, like, is it that bad? And, you know, there's there's really a, a joy to being parents of teens. There's a joy and a privilege there. Um, teen years, in a lot of ways, are actually pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome to have big kids in your house. Like, I remember, um, and this was probably before she was a teenager, but it was the beginnings of having older children in my household. I remember when Katerie, who's my oldest, um, at one point when, I don't know, she probably was like 10 or 11 or 12 or something, that there was a moment that was really ridiculously, you know, frustrating with a, a younger sibling who was a toddler or a baby and was being demanding in a ridiculous way. And I remember really just reacting out of frustration with that and then making eye contact with my oldest daughter in that moment. And we both just kind of rolled our eyes like, oh my gosh, like he's doing this again. And recognizing in that moment what a gift it was. Hey, I have another person <laughs> in this room who gets it that this is ridiculous. Another person who shares my perspective a little bit on the ridiculousness of the toddler years. And teens can bring that to your life. They can bring that to your family life. Even if you don't have younger kids, you know, they bring that kind of companion perspective. They all of a sudden are, are 
a, a person that you can share thoughts and ideas with and ask questions of. And it's so exciting to see your child grow into the person that God means them to be. It's a beautiful privilege and um, a wonderful experience in many ways to be a parent of an older kid, to watch that process. What a privilege to guide them through that process. You can actually have a conversation with these people. <laughs> and, you know, there there are beautiful moments in the teen years where, um, you know, so many times I've been encouraged and gratified when they kind of share their hearts with me a little bit. When they open up, what a privilege that is to to see that in in your own child, to have that kind of relationship with a growing child who's going through these changes and to see those changes in your own child and to begin to see developing in them what God's plans might be for their life, you know? And all of this said, without even talking about the fact that older teens, kids who are older in the house, are really helpful in ways that younger kids never are. Like, they take their own showers. They buckle themselves into their own seatbelts. They can drive cars. You can hand them your credit card and they can go to the store and buy you things. <laughs> These are great things. You know, a couple of Christmases ago, as I was doing that hand the credit card to the kid and go out and get the groceries that I need for later on today because I just don't have a moment to do it, I thought to myself, how did I ever do this before I had this opportunity? You know, before I had this help, real help around the house. They can make a meal. They can clean a bathroom. They can drive a kid to soccer. There's, it's amazing. So really, you know, focus on those things that are also going on in the teen years as they're they're growing in their, their privileges and their responsibilities and the roles that they're taking on, learning new things that, you know, you need to recognize that too, that there's a real joy in that. There's a real sense of accomplishment both for your child and for you in those kinds of things that they're newly able to do. And just appreciate that. And just appreciate the fact that you can actually have a conversation with them and appreciate the fact that God is showing you a little bit, a little bit in those teenage years as they're becoming the people that he plans for them to be. He's showing you who they are and what their potential is. What a privilege it is to see that. You don't see that in a tiny baby or in a toddler. I mean, to some extent you can, you know their personality and whatnot. But as they begin to learn new things or explore new things, or they go to college and they begin to study things that you have no idea about, you know, and they bring new people and new opportunities and new experiences and new adventures into your home, into your family. It's really a beautiful thing. And I think we don't focus on that enough. So really just change your attitude toward the teen years. Yeah, it's okay to commiserate and to roll your eyes a bit and, you know, talk about what the trials are, because of course, that's real. And it's important for us to recognize that those challenges are real. But at the same time, don't forget that it's also a real privilege. And it's a beautiful process to, to, you know, watch your child become the person God intends for him to be to see their their gifts and their talents and the ways in which they're they're using them in various parts of their lives the positive things that they're doing and accomplishing and um, the ways in which they're growing it really is a beautiful and a very positive thing so don't lose sight of that whatever you do Okay, so those are my five points that I want to make about facing the challenges of the teen years number one see the big picture number two remember your own teen years. Number three, do not take it personally. Number four, remember who they are. And number five, change your attitude. You probably are thinking of some of your own points, whether it's from your own teen years or from 
parenting your own teenage children uh, that you might like to add to my list. So let me know what's on your mind with regard to the challenges of the teen years or the um, the ways in which you find encouragement and support in parenting teens in this way that in this world where it's hard to get access to that information and it sometimes is isolating. You, you're left to feel like maybe I'm the only one who's experiencing X, Y, or Z. Well, I'm here to tell you, no, you're not. <laughs> but if you have a particular experience or an idea or a thought to share our comments or questions about today's content, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at danielle at daniellebean.com or in the show notes at daniellebean.com, click leave voice feedmail, voicemail, voice feedback, feedmail, okay, voice feedback. Um, or you can always connect with me on Voxer, which is a really cool app. If you don't know what it is, it's a simple app you download on your phone and it's like a walkie-talkie. You can easily record voice messages. You can always leave me feedback that way. My link to connect with me on Voxer is always in the show notes at daniellebean.com. I would love to hear from you and include your feedback in a future episode. Okay, I want to share a little bit of feedback that I got um, during this past week from previous um, podcasts. And this week I heard from Natalie, and I'm not going to share her entire um, email, but thank you, Natalie, for reaching out. I really appreciate you sharing some of your perspective and some of your encouragement about the podcast. Um, Natalie is asking, and I'm going to share this now because I don't feel like I'm the person to provide this. Um, She's asking for Catholic content for wives and families of first responders. So, you know, talking particularly about uh, police resources um, and things of that nature that she experiences that in her own life and finds that she has, and I totally get this, um, unique needs as uh, the wife of a first responder. And um, I I think she's, her husband is a homicide detective. Yes. Um, So she finds that she has unique spiritual needs and that she's found Christian resources, but nothing specifically Catholic, like a blog or a book or a podcast from that particular perspective. As I don't share that experience, I don't think I can be helpful, but I can be helpful in reaching out to you all and asking um, for your ideas for resources that Natalie might consider listening to or, or taking on or, or something that you're familiar with that might be helpful to her unique needs as a wife of a first responder. So let me know if you have some of those ideas for Natalie, um, you can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com, or leave me that voice feedback. Next up, I heard from Colette in Hawaii, one of those people I am trying not to be jealous of. (laughs) But Colette was um, reaching out to give me some feedback on um, episode number 62 with real talk about NFP. I'm still receiving responses to that. And overwhelmingly, the responses have been positive. I was a little leery of going into that topic because I know it can be a hot button topic for a lot of people on all sides of the issue. And I hear from people all the time. Um, about their struggles with NFP. So I thought, well, regardless, I'm going to at least share my perspective on this topic. And I was a little wary of doing so because of having been burned in the past when sharing on that topic. But I think it's an excellent testament to the quality of the listeners here at the Girlfriends Podcast that I received really no negative feedback on that episode overwhelmingly positive and encouraging and grateful that somebody's actually talking about this topic. So um, Colette shares some interesting perspective um, 
Uh, let me see here. She says, so you brought up so many good points about how one size does not fit all when it comes to NFP. When I got married in 1990, we didn't have many options. About five years ago, I was listening to Greg and Jennifer Willett's podcast, and they mentioned the use of a fertility monitor. Hearing about this new NFP method was a godsend. You're right about the value of it being an objective predictor. It was exactly what I needed. So yeah, if you haven't listened to episode number 62, I shared a little bit in that episode about using a fertility monitor to give you more information and to kind of help you learn to read your signs of fertility, become more, uh, you know, confident in reading your own symptoms, your own signs, your own body. Uh, She says, I used the clear blue monitor for a few years and everything was good until I started going through the change. As my cycles became so unpredictable, the monitor didn't really work. So I reached out to the Marquette University's online fertility counselors who advised me to use generic test strips instead. Luckily, my years using the monitor had helped me recognize my fertility signs and I was now in the habit of counting days and charting. Now, I simply use generic test strips twice a day, morning and evening, every day during this time of perimenopause. The test strips only cost about 50 cents each if you buy it in bulk online. A dollar a day is definitely worth it. I just wanted to share this in case there are other women who are going through this time of change and looking for an alternative way to track their fertility. And... Then she says, thank you very much in Hawaiian, but I don't know, Mahalo Nui Loa? Did I say that wrong? Lou, I'm going to hear from you, Colette. So let me know if I said that wrong. Um, so anyway, thank you so much, Colette. I think that's um, a really helpful perspective because not, you know, I shared in the podcast about the, the struggles of the times around pregnancy, postpartum, nursing, and how it can be really difficult to track your symptoms through those times. And perimenopause and menopause are definitely also times when it can be especially challenging. So your perspective and your success in using those test strips is really helpful to know about. So um, thank you for sharing that. And I hope that uh, listeners will benefit from your own experience and your recommendations. And finally, I want to thank our newest Patreon supporter, Sam, for pledging her support of the Girlfriends podcast at patreon.com forward slash girlfriends. Your encouragement and your support through Patreon means so much, and they really make the production and the ongoing production of this podcast possible. And also, it affirms and encourages me to keep on pursuing this, even on weeks where it's difficult, even on weeks where I'm busy. I'll make time for it because I know people have expressed how much they appreciate the podcast and they have pledged their support financially at patreon.com forward slash girlfriends. So Sam and others who have pledged their support of the Girlfriends podcast through Patreon, a pledge in any amount earns you the right to take part in our monthly Girlfriends Live sessions. This is where I interact with those of you who want to participate by video. Um, We've had one successful session so far, and I'm looking forward to doing another one um, coming up next week where you can participate by video and we can ask questions, we can interact, we can go back and forth um, in the video conference. We had just a couple of ladies do it last time. It was a great group. We had a great discussion about whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind, and I'm happy to take people questions and you know share from my own experience but then learn from you as well Um, or if you want to participate just by listening that is totally okay you don't have to put yourself out there with video or you can participate via chat it's really kind of a fun system that I've worked out using zoom which is a cool way of us connecting that way Um, so if you want to participate in those monthly girlfriends live sessions it's easy to get your free access which is by making a pledge in any amount as little as a dollar 
per episode at patreon.com forward slash girlfriends. You will get an invitation to those monthly girlfriends live sessions. We'd love to have you be a part of that. And I want to thank everybody who gave the show links on social media, iTunes reviews, all the different ways that you've encouraged and supported the Girlfriends podcast in this past week. So thank you so much for sharing those things and and for encouraging other people to listen. Word of mouth really means so much, especially when it comes to the things that we're going to spend our time on. I know your time is valuable. I know your time is precious. We all have to be discerning. We have to pick and choose about the things that we're going to spend our time on. It really means the world to me that you spend some time here with me every week and that you also recommend it to others. It really is so encouraging to me. Thank you for all the ways that you support girlfriends. But most importantly, thank you just for being here. As always, your presence here is a gift to me. I really appreciate this time that we spend together. I appreciate the opportunity to connect with you, share ideas, and receive your feedback. So thank you for being here for another week for another episode. I'm looking forward to next time. So until next time, I hope you enjoy your day. And God bless you. Girlfriends is a DanielleBean.com production. Know your worth, find your joy.